Bibi has every incentive to keep this war going as long as possible, because as soon as it's over, he's going to have some very, very difficult questions to answer and probably will lose power. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, December 21st. Today, I'm joined by Julia Yaffe with a look at the wars in Israel and Ukraine as the year 2023 comes to a close. Will either of these conflicts conclude at any point next year, or will politics, both domestic and foreign, get in the way of a solution? Julia has the latest. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I'm joined today by Julia Yaffe to dig into what might be obvious, the two biggest international stories of the year, Israel and Ukraine. I want to start, Julia, with Israel. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said on Wednesday, ending the Israel-Hamas war as quickly as possible is the top priority for the United States in 2024. How realistic is that? Uh, Not realistic, given that there are, at this recording, 11 days left of the year. Basically, all I've heard in Washington is that uh, this administration is giving the Israeli government, the war cabinet, basically those 11 days to wrap up this intensive phase of its warrant against Hamas. And then there's going to be more pressure to wrap it up because it's becoming unsustainable politically. And he's asking Israel and, and Netanyahu to dial back, please, the ceaseless seeming bombardment of Gaza and to focus more on targeted attacks and also trying to get these hostages mm-hmm. uh, that remain out of Gaza. It, it seems like Bibi has no interest in actually listening to that unless I'm missing something. Well, there's two things there. Blinken also said that, look, Israel would take a ceasefire hostage deal right now, but Hamas does not want one. 
So that's that's one issue. I think the issue also for Israel is that I think like most countries in war, you know, international law notwithstanding, you know, value the lives of their soldiers more than the lives of the enemy's civilians, which is why in international law was created to kind of to change that equation. But human psychology and the psychology of war being what it is, I think the reason the Israelis are bombing Gaza like this is that it makes it easier for their soldiers to go in and find the tunnels, find the Hamas fighters and not have as many ambush situations uh, like we saw earlier this month, you know, where their soldiers could be at risk from Hamas fighters firing at them from these warrens of buildings, you know, Gaza is so incredibly crowded. And obviously, Israel thinks preserving the lives of its soldiers is more important than preserving the lives of uh, Palestinian civilians. And more than that, Israel has been putting out claims that some of these civilians, are well, that we know that Hamas uh, often dresses up in civilian clothing, so that makes things more difficult. Uh, but Israel has put out claims recently that doctors, nurses, teachers have been members of Hamas. And, you know, and also we know that Hamas groups its combat casualties with the total death toll. So that is all to say this is like a super messy, horrible situation. And I don't know what amount of pressure the U.S. can put on Israel for the Israelis to decide that they care more about Palestinian civilians than about their own soldiers. I honestly just, I don't, I don't see that happening, especially after what happened on October 7th and the rage uh, Israelis feel. And there's a kind of understanding of that in the Biden administration and a, and a reluctance to criticize them too much publicly. But there is a sense, growing sense that with allies like this, who needs enemies, right? You know, like, Israel gets a lot of American aid, gets a lot of support and protection, including diplomatic protection at the UN Security Council from the US. And Bibi just doesn't seem to be listening. There's also an understanding in the in the Biden administration that Bibi has every incentive to keep this war going as long as possible, because as soon as it's over, he's going to have some very, very difficult questions to answer and probably will uh, lose power. That's the last thing I was going to ask you on this subject before we pivot to Ukraine. You wrote about this, but the other day Netanyahu said, I'm proud that I prevented the establishment of a Palestinian state. You know, that irked the Biden administration, which, you know, wants a two-state solution. Chris Coons, senator from Delaware, a Biden ally, called Bibi, quote, an exceptionally difficult partner. He has Netanyahu in Israel, like an abysmal approval rating right now. People within the country simultaneously are not happy with him leading the country, yet at the same time, like you said, feel rage uh, Mm -hmm. about October 7th. And so it, it sounds like what you're saying is that as long as this war goes on, and he is the one prosecuting it, that is his biggest lane to remaining in power. So in the new year, do you think at any point in 2024, there will be a new prime minister in Israel? 
Uh, I don't know, but I think there's a kind of quiet hope in the Biden administration that once this intensive period of the war wraps up and uh, becomes the kind of more targeted surgical operation that the Biden administration has been pushing for increasingly in uh, recent days and weeks, that at that point, some party in Bibi's coalition will pull out triggering elections, and that that will be the end of Bibi. Because as long as he's in power, there there's not going to be a political solution to this. And that's the other thing is that everybody understands, everybody I've spoken to in the Biden administration, they understand that ultimately this is not a military issue. Um, I've written about this too. Like there has to be more thought put into the day after. And if you have uh, BB saying, I'm proud that there's not going to be that, that I prevented the formation of a Palestinian state. I'm going to do everything in my power from to keep Israel from repeating the fatal mistake of Oslo, as he said, that's kind of, that's a path to forever war, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think also, in, not just in terms of um, the domestic politics considerations, but just in terms of the region and also what's good for both parties is not that. And so I think there's a kind of quiet hope that the new year will bring a ratcheting down of the intensity of the war and that and new elections in Israel where there will be um, a political reckoning for Bibi and a clearing of the way for some kind of political diplomatic solution to this because that's ultimately what this is going to need. Julie, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, ask you about another possibly forever war, the one between Ukraine and Russia. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And 
sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome back to the Powers of Be, everybody. I hope your Thursday is going well. Julia, I want to ask you about Ukraine. Volodymyr Zelensky came to the U.S., did a whirlwind round of meetings a few days ago, trying, trying, trying to convince Congress to free up money to help them continue to fight back against Russia. But you're pretty pessimistic that that's going to happen, aren't you? Uh no, I mean, I'm I don't think anybody thinks it's going to happen this year. The Senate has been held back for another week. They're supposed to be on recess already. They're supposed to be enjoying their vacations uh, or being back in their districts. And they're still in Washington trying to hammer this out. There's no way that's going to happen. So the hope is that some kind of deal is struck in the new year, hopefully in January, mm-hmm. and that it then gets the votes both in the Senate and the House. And those are three big hurdles that it has to clear and that Ukraine needs it to clear because, uh, you know, there's already a rationing going on of equipment, of artillery rather. And, um, you know, once U.S. aid really, really falls off by the summer, even with the aid that's already in the pipeline, even with the stuff that the Pentagon can continue to provide to Ukraine, uh, like, situational awareness, sharing intelligence, etc., uh, that still probably wouldn't be enough to hold off the Russians. But the Russians have also been, their forces really degraded, have they not? I mean, oh, like, yeah. so it just smells like, you know, whether this aid package comes through and arms come through and it still takes months for all of those resources to actually get there, then you have the next round of aid whenever that is supposed to come after that. And it just feels... Like we're careening toward an ugly kind of trench warfare stalemate between these two countries. Am I wrong? Well, unfortunately, we're already there. And, uh, you know, this has been a war of attrition for a long time. And those take a long time. Uh, But inevitably, something gives, right? One side, either one side collapses and the other one breaks through or they get so tired that they come to the negotiating table uh, to figure this out, or there's some crazy black swan event, for example, Putin dying. But I recently learned this amazing Yiddish uh, saying uh, from my parents the other day, which is, you know, he'll catch a cold at our funerals. Like he's gonna outlive us all. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great Uh, but horrifying saying. Right, I just love that he not only is he gonna be well enough to come to our funeral, he's just, all he's going to get is a cold. <laughs> anyway, so like, yeah, it's not a Hollywood blockbuster kind of action film. It's going to be a grinding slog. Russia has material advantages right now. It has more people. It has fully mobilized its economy to produce 
what it, what this war needs, but that's also not sustainable. And the question is like, can we help Ukraine outlast Russia? Or is Putin going to be right that the West mm-hmm. can't be relied on, that we think in, uh, you know, 18 month or two year increments and, you know, send a message to everybody that that's that's what you get when you ally yourself with the West rather than with us. Uh, we will, as they showed, for example, in Syria, and as they're showing in Ukraine, like they will go to the end, they will take what it, they will do what it takes. And uh, yeah, like it is, it is going to take a lot more funding. And um, but I think there's also an awareness, as I was told, while reporting this is that, you know, this is going to be the last package aid package that Ukraine gets for a while from the US. Because then comes November 2024. And Lord knows what mm-hmm. what happens then. Uh, but yeah, there's an awareness there, I think, in Ukraine as well. But that that's the nature of the beast. If you want to kick Russia's butt, you have to keep going, unfortunately. All right, Julia, uh, a dark way to end our final podcast yeah, happy of the New year, year together. Everyone. But it does actually make me feel very lucky and grateful that we don't live in Ukraine or Russia or Gaza. Or at Israel the or Gaza. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, so everyone out there, enjoy if you are with your family comfortably. Please enjoy mm-hmm. it. Be kind to people. Please, really. Please. As Kurt Vonnegut once said, damn it, you've got to be kind. Uh, Julia, <laughs> I will see you in the new year. All right. Thanks, Peter. Happy new year. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.